Okay, so this week's parsha is Parshas Ki Sisa. Parshas Ki Sisa is one of the most uh, um, perplexing parshas in the Torah. The main reason for that is because the famous sin of the golden calf, which we we call the Chet Ha'egal, Egal is a calf. In Hebrew, in Lashon Hakodesh, and this chet egal is um, in this week's parsha. So that's why it's one of the most difficult um, parshas. Okay, you just want to go through the parsha very quickly. Um, the beginning of the parsha talks about the mitzvah of machetzis hashekel. Every Jewish male from the age of twenty to the age of sixty gave a half a shekel coin to the big. Uh, um, I say the pot, whatever you want to call it. And those were used for the carbon tummet. Every day in the morning, they brought a tummet, and in the afternoon, we brought a tummet, which it actually is our tefillah of shachris and our tefillah of mincha correspond to the two carbonos, to the two carbon tummet, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. This is what the chmachitz and shagam. Every single person gave the Machetz Shekel, whether a person was very, very wealthy, whether a person was very, very poor, no one was able to give more and no one was exempt, ex, whatever that word, ex, exempt from, from giving Machetz Shekel. And then the Gemara, the, the, sorry, the, the parasha goes on, talks about different things. And then there's a whole chapter on Chavez. On keeping Shabbos and the Kiddush that we say actually on Shabbos by day, the Shamru B'nai Israel to Shabbos is actually taken from this week's parsha, right before Sheni. So in Parak Lamed Aleph, Pasuk Kazayin and Yudzayin, that is where our Kiddush comes from on Shabbos day. And then we get to the Chita Ego. And then was the Chita Ego. And then after. There's the, the, the partial continues on, and that's 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 enough for now. Okay, so Egon, just let's spell out the basic idea of what is so difficult about the Chet Egon. Okay, the Chet Egon was the sin of the golden calf. The Jews just accepted the Torah. The Jews just accepted the Torah a mere 40 days before the the sin of the golden calf. God came down in his full glory. The Jews all witnessed everything with the clarity that has never been matched, had never seen before, and the clarity of God that has never been seen since. And these were the Jews, these were the people that a mere 40 days later, we would call out like, hit a real crash, real rock bottom. And they turned their turn on their God, turn on God and our on God and and did the most terrible sin in the world by serving an idol. They made they created an idol and they served it. That's that's a real crash from the highest of the high to the lowest of the low. And the obvious question, if it wasn't obvious to anyone, 
I'll say it, is how does that happen? How does it happen? The person can be so high and so clear and, and fall so quickly, so low. And I was just let just to add to this. So all of the commentaries discuss this and grapple with this and try to figure it out. Everyone answers different answers and different ideas. Some of them are practical answers. Some of them are answers that we can learn from. And I would like to share with you the thought process, the 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 concept that that Chaim Shmulevitz, which my Rebbe was a nephew of Chaim Shmulevitz. And Rabbi Chaim Shlavet says over his idea, and, and my Rebbe, Rabbi Fal Shlavet, used to say it over year after year. He used to drill this into our heads to make sure that we never forgot this idea. So there's a Gemara in Chavez that just adds a, compounds this question even further. Okay. The Gemara in Chavez says that Avoida Zara, idol worship, worshiping idols, is a very, uh, difficult task for the Yetzirah, for the evil inclination to, to catch you on. Why? Because it goes against a person's nature. A person is connected to God and serving idols is very is, is totally the opposite. So what does the, the Yetzirah do? What does the evil inclination do? So I'm trying to find the Gemara. I can't find it right now. But the Gemara says that the Yetzirah tells you on day one, he tells you to do like this, right? Just do a little bit different. On day two, he pushes the, I would call it pushing the envelope, right? Push the envelope a little bit further. And then on day three, a little bit further. And on day four, eventually the day one and day two aren't so different. And day two and day three aren't so different. But day one and day five, he got you from point A to point B. That's how the Yitzhahara usually does it. Which means that he slowly convinces you to do a little bit, change a little bit, right? And in the times of, just to give you an example, in times of early America, you had people who, who were coming off the boat from Europe who were 100% galat kosher Jews who would never have desecrated Shabbos ever in their life. And the first week, they refused to keep to, to desecrate Shabbos. But, you know, it was very difficult. They didn't have any money. They got fired from their jobs. For the first week, they 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 walked to to their job and they tried to do everything maybe with a shinoi, which is with they didn't write or they wouldn't use anything. They would only um, answer people and discuss things. But and then the next week, they they maybe uh, a little bit further. They would write. By the time a few months passed, Shabbos was gone. They drove to shore. They drove to 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 their their, their job on Shabbos. And if they went to shul, there was there was that was that was, was, was a bonus, and the whole Shabbos was disappeared. And this is the this is really the 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 tree, the 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 is, is the evil inclination. He's very good at what he does. He's a pretty uh, pretty talented fellow, and that's how he does it usually. And the Gemara tells us specifically this is how he does it. So the question now is compounded: How did he do that over here? Over here, how did the Yitzhar, so to speak, have the chutzpah to even admit? Imagine to be able to take the Jews from such a high level and one day not to go slowly, 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 but boom, crash, and everything gets desecrated. It's just like that. And he was right because it worked what he did. He pushed and it worked. How did he do that? That is the fundamental question. The fundamental question, which 
And most uh, of the commonly grammar, yes. Rabbi, this happened the very, it happened in one day, right? Moses I don't one day, but it happened in the calculated days. wrong. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, just if it wasn't clear, I'll, I'll explain it again. So day one was when the Harsinai, when Hashem came down and they, and they got the Torah from Hashem. And then Moshe of April goes up to Hashem, goes up to Shemayim, goes up to the heavens. And he's, so to speak, studying the Torah. He's learning the Torah from God himself for 40 days and 40 nights. He tells the Jews, I'm coming back after 40 days. And on that 40th day, they go and they serve the idols. And, okay, fine. So now I'm going to go and explain the story. It says we're missing a fundamental point. I'm sure most of you are familiar with the, the Gemara. It's a famous, famous story. And I will read it to you inside just to get the basic clarity, just to get it um, clear straight from the text. I'm, um, I'll just read the whole Gemara because why not? I'm a Shuman Levi, Mishashim, all of the and Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Shemayim. Matzah HaKadosh Baruch Hu found God, found the Kadosh Baruch Hu. Shehaya Kaisher Ksarim Ra'isis. This is Gemara has nothing to do with what I'm talking about, but it's the same Gemara, so I figured I'd start from the beginning. Okay? He sees Hashem is putting on, if anyone saw a Sefer Torah, the Sefer Torah letters have these little crowns on them. Little, um, like either some of them have one crown, some of them have three spikes, so to speak, coming out. And he sees Hashem putting on crowns on the Torah. That's what he sees Hashem doing. Amr so Hashem tells my Sherebenu, ain't Shalom Be'ircha, where you come from, Moshe, there's no, you don't say Shalom Aleichem, right? God's like asking Moshe Rabbeinu, why he didn't say Shalom Aleichem to him? So, right, if you were, if God came to Zoom, God, God comes down to you, and he starts telling you, why didn't you say hi to me, right? What are you going to answer? <laughs> right? Imagine you, you come to God, and God says, no, how come you didn't say hi to me? Right? <laughs> exactly. Even though you're on mute, I know exactly what you said. <laughs> so, right? But Moshe Rabbeinu has a very good answer. Moshe Rabbeinu answers like this. I'm with the fun of Klum Yesh Eved Shendaisen Shalom Rabbi. Moshe Rabbeinu tells him, I've never heard of a servant that says Shalom Lechem to his rabbi, his master. When someone comes to his master, He's just a servant. He just stands there and he doesn't open up his mouth because his master is so beyond anything he can comprehend. Okay. So Amalei. So Hashem tells him, okay, fine. You should, you should have told me, um, you should have told me that you should give me help to my works. So me. Okay. So right away, Hashem uh, right away, Moshe gives Hashem, so to speak, as much as we can understand, he gives Hashem a bracha, that he should have atzlacha, he should have success in everything he does. Okay? Whether or not we understand this Gemara, I don't know, but fine. Amar of Levi, this is the next Gemara, this Gemara is what I, what I want to talk about. My dechsev, what is the meaning that says in the Pasuk, Bayar ha'am ki Moshe was, so to speak, it was late, right? This is in Pasuk, um, Paraklam and based Pasuk Aleph. So chapter 32, verse 
learns out don't read it don't read it like one word rather so two words it came six the sixth hour the time that Moshe went up to the heavens he told the Jews after 40 days, before the in the, in the beginning of the sixth hour, so in, right, I'm gonna come back. So he told the Jews, I'm going up to the heavens for 40 days and then I'm gonna come back. men after 40 after 40 days, Masatan, famous Satan, our good old friend, right? Friend who never leaves us, best friend of ours, he never runs away. The evil inclination, which is the Satan, the person who always tries, the Malach, I should say, always tries to get us. He comes down, and he mixes up the whole world. Gets everyone confused. He, put, he puts like a confusion spell, so to speak, on the Jews. Amr Lehen, the Satan tells Moshe, Amr Lehen tells the Jews, Moshe Ravchem Heichan. Where is Moshe here? You're your leader. Amrulai, they told the Sadan al who went up to the heavens, the God, to, to learn and study the Torah. Amrulahan, the Satan tells them, Baushesh, sixth hour already came. Not here. The Jews didn't listen to him. They weren't, they didn't, they ignored him. Mace, he, he tells the Jews, maybe he died. Moshe died. The Jews didn't listen. It's impossible. lahen the musmitaze. They, um, he put a sort of speak an image of the of a bed of, of a coffin, I guess, uh, and it didn't actually have. There wasn't an image of Moshe. There was an image of a coffin in the in, in the sky. So the Satan put an image of a coffin in the sky, and right then and there. The Jews got all scared and they ran to our we need to build a, something to take over from Moshe Rabbeinu. We need to build. And then they built uh, the golden calf. Fascinating story, the Gemara tells us. What's the significance of this whole story? So Rav Chaim Shmulavitz explains like this. The Yidin, the Jews, they just came back from, so not came back, they stayed in the same spot, but so to speak, they just came back from the most amazing, inspiring moment, right? Imagine if someone had the inspiration and the uh, he, he visited the Kosal, the Kotel for the first time, and he's obviously compounded by a billion, just, to, just, just using it as an example. And he's inspired. He's so inspired by the moment. And these are inspired. They're holy. They're amazing. And then the Satan comes in and says, where's your leader? Where did he go, right? He's missing. And they say, no, no, right? And then they tell him, he t- I'm sorry, he, he tells them, he died. And he shows them the cop and they believe him. Eventually they believe that he died. Then they fall into a level of, of called depression in, in the 21st century, <clears throat> or you would call it a, 
they fall in a, a state of despair. They don't know what to do. They lost the leader. They feel lost, completely lost and abandoned. And this, Rav Chaim Shemlavet says, is the point that we have to take out of the story of the golden calf, the story of the Chet We have to take out from here that when a person falls, when a person feels that he's in despair, when a person feels that he loses hope, the Yetzirah, the Satan, the evil commission can schlep a guy from the highest of the high and he can go crash all the way down to the bottom. Normally, Yetzirah doesn't have the power to do that. He goes step by step, slowly, slowly. But when a person is, is down and he's not feeling good and he's rotten, whatever it is, he's feeling rotten and he's feeling um, bad for whatever reason, the Yitzhahara has the ability to schlep him down and to get him lowest of them. And this is what we can take out of the story of the Chet Now, I would like to share with you, based on this idea, based on this concept, a few anecdotes, stories, different things. Okay? So, there's a, there's a, there's a famous story brought down in the Gemara. I, I can't remember all the details by heart. I, I, I didn't get a chance to check up the Gemara inside. We, um, but the basic story is as follows. There's a famous Tana, and his name is Rekiva. Everyone knows Rekiva. Rekiva was one of the famous Tana. And the Gemara tells us of a very interesting story. Two stories, but one of them is more important. Stories as follows. It's at the end of one of the Masechas, at the end of one of the Masechas that many people make Siyumimam. So it could be some of you heard the story before. And it, I, I thought it was in Tainas, but I checked up Tainas, couldn't find it. So maybe it's in a different Masechas. One of the smaller Masechas. I've heard it many times. And I'm sure if you've ever been to more than a, few, a couple of Siyumim, I'm sure you've heard it too. Anyways, the, the Chachamim, different Chachamim, different one of the rabbis, the elders of the Jewish people in the times of the Korban, in the times of the destruction of the second temple, second base of Mignosh. They were looking and they're watching the ruins, the destruction, and a fox, I believe it was a fox, um, climbed out, so to speak, of the place of the Kedesh HaKadosh, the place of the Holy of Holies. I think it was a fox. Shua. What does Shua do? I think it's a fox. And the, the place of the Holy of Holies, a fox comes out. And all the Rabbanim, all the Chazal, all the big rabbis, they were, so to speak, very, very upset, very sad, and I guess depressed, if you will. And Yehuda, Rabbi, sorry, Rabbi Akiva laughed. Akiva laughed. And they looked at him like he was crazy. He said, why are you laughing? So he told them that there's a certain a certain nevua from Yirmiyahu, which is one of the neviim, and he says in the nevua something to do with a fox. I don't remember. This is the part I don't remember exactly. Something to do with a fox in the place of the Holy of Holies. And although it is very sad, very depressing that. A mirror, whatever it is, a few weeks ago or a few months ago, the base of Mikdash stood proud and now it's in ruins. 
But the Navi tells us that at the end of days, Mashiach will come. And it's the same Nevoah, the same Nevoah that prophesied, the same prophecy that prophesied the destruction of the second temple, the second Mesa Megdash, is the same Nevoah, the same prophecy that prophesizes the future um, of the Messiah, of Mashiach. And Rabbi Kiva says the same way this Nevoah is true, the same way this Nevoah is true, the same way this prophecy is true, I know that the future prophecy, the prophecy of the future, that the Messiah will come and redeem us, and we will live for eternity with God's glory and grace in the world, that's going to be true as well. And that's why Rabbi Kiva was happy. What do we see from this? Rabbi Kiva was the one who was able to pick up and focus and pick up from the ashes. And never, it's never a good thing, never a good thing to live in the ashes, to live in destruction. It's always so important to be able to get up and pick yourself up and stay focused on how to get, how to move on, how to get past this. And incidentally, I'm sure, because I'm sure Dan would, would, uh, would be very, very, very uh, um, familiar with this. With a Holocaust, just to say, uh, 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 how do you say uh, something that's a little bit closer to home, right? There were many, I'm sure there were countless uh, Jews who who suffered tremendously and, and they really, really traumatic experiences and they suffered their whole lives. But they were never able to pick themselves up. And there were others that had the ability to get up and to rebuild. And there were certain people who were famous and they pushed the agenda to rebuild. And I don't know everyone. I just know things from my grandparents. But they told us certain famous rabbis. One of them was the Baba Rebbe of Shlomo Halberstam. He was famous for pushing people to get remarried, to get married, and to build new lives, and have children quickly, and to move. And he got remarried right away. And it was a very, very big push in those days to get up and to move on and to come closer, not to wallow in self-pity. And that's the worst thing that people can do to themselves is the wallow in self-pity. And just to share another story, my Rebbe used to say, and there was a certain person, a certain balabas, he would call him, a, 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 a working person. He used to call him, they call him balabas, balabas. And this person, he was a well-respected um, person, well-respected businessman, and he lost his job. And he was so depressed about the fact that he lost his job that he didn't leave his house for four years. Four years, he sucked on his, on his own in depression. And he never was able to get over the fact that he got fired from his, his uh, wonderful job. And this person was a well-respected person in the community. And eventually, he uh, moved it to whoever, to Vancouver, I think. And he went off to Darach and he became he whatever I think he married a guy and and whatever people know, and it was just very sad story. And the point my rabbi used to always bring out was this person was a very well respected person in the community. It was he used to give a lot of charity, he used to study Torah, very well respected person. And all it took was not all it's a big big sad thing that happened to him, but he lost his job, and then he never got out of it. He was never able to break himself open take myself apart and say the job, okay, lost it. But now it's time to move on. Now it's time, yeah, to go on and move on from it. That 
is what happened. That's the the pitfalls of this week. We see how bad um, it, it is, how bad, how low a person could fall from that fact that he's not willing to, not able, so to speak, to get up from a bad situation. Um, another story that Marab used to say over was from uh, from he, when he was a bacher in the mirror, when he learned by his uncle of Chaim Shlavitz, there was a certain bacher who they used to have, I don't know if anyone, anyone knows what Chavrusa Tama was? So in big yeshivas, in, in, in the hour circles, in the yeshiva circles, they don't like, it's not like a matchmaker, they don't match everyone up. The way it works is, you everyone comes and piles into the to the face of madras, piles into the to the room, and you schmooze around discuss different things and you try to find the chavusa, try to find the study partner between all the guys. So you have in a smaller call, you should have 300 guys. In BMG, you have 5,000 people. Don't ask how it works. Right, complicated. Either way, you're busy going, finding, asking him. He's finally trying to set you up with him and you're busy schmoozing the guy. Anyways, to make a long story short, there was one guy who after the first day of the chavusa tunnel, he didn't have a chavusa. He couldn't find the chavusa. And he comes over to Chaim Shlavitz and he tells him, I, I don't have a chavrusa. I couldn't find a chavrusa. Chaim Shlavitz tells him, try one more day. And if you don't find the chavrusa tomorrow, I want to learn with you. Chaim Shlavitz was the Shiva of the mirror. Chaim Shlavitz was one of the biggest gainim. He was, either way, he was genius. Genius is genius. He was beyond genius, beyond smart. And People ask so kind of stuff, what do you hope to gain by, by learning with this bacher? What do you hope to gain? It's not a good chavrusa job. It's not going to work. You're not going to be able to learn with him. He's not going to be able to learn with you. It doesn't make any sense. Chaim Shlavet says, you're right, but this is a matter of life and death. It's a matter of pikuch nefesh. If this person feels he can't find the chavrusa and no one wants to lower them, no one is willing to lower them, he's going to fall into depression and he's going to fall off the cliff. It's worth it for me to, so to speak, quote unquote, waste my whole morning Seder for the whole Zman to be able to learn with this person on a level which is going to be totally like non, like totally airballed to like what I would be willing to, able to learn in order to be able to, this person should feel that their Shiva wants to learn. This is, it's just the, the idea over here we're saying is that just to review the point is that. When a person has something and it happens to us all the time, whether it's, it could be a job, it could be a family issue, it could be someone who, who feels like he did a certain avera, certain sin, and he feels like he's unworthy. He's unworthy of, 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 of connecting to God because he feels so low and depressed. How could I have fallen this low, right? Which is, <clears throat> happens to many of us, right? Person feels like he's on a certain level and then somehow, some way, he ends up doing something that's below where he really thought he would be. And he feels like depressed. Like, I can't talk to God now. I can't go and dive in. I can, if, if only God knew what I just did, right? God knows what I just did, but right? how could I talk to God, right? That's not, that's totally false. It's totally shaka. That's, that's the Yetzirah. That's the evil inclination talking to us. He's telling us that God doesn't like you. God doesn't want you. And that's totally, totally false and totally wrong. And really, we have to get up in our mitzvah. The mitzvah and the Aveda is to be able to get up and brush ourselves off and say, God wants me to move on 
and to continue serving him to the best of my ability. And God does not want me to get depressed. God not, does not want me to wallow in self-pity. God wants me to get up, although maybe he did something wrong, and a person needs to do chuba on what he did wrong. Okay, but not to wallow in self-pity. That is the lesson that we can learn from the Chet Ego. Okay. Rabbi, as a side note, just curious, what, I guess, percentage of Jews participated in the Golden Calf? Was it a majority, a minority? So I, I, it seems from the from the Sukkim that the all the Jews really were enthusiastic about it. Incident, incidentally, it seems like the the woman, the woman didn't really want to be part of it. It's not clear if they actually were or weren't. It seems like they were not. But it seems like all of the all of the Jews, besides for Shevet Levi, besides for the 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 tribe of Levi, and which is why. The Kahanim, whatever Kahanim, that's where they became Kahanim. Because when Moshe Benu came down, saw the destruction, Moshe Benu says, Mila Shem Eli, who is with me for God? And Shevet Levi comes to him. That's why they became exalted. Before then, the, the people who were supposed to do the service was actually the Bukhorim, the firstborn. And only after the sin of the golden calf did that transfer over to Shev and Levi because they did not partake in the Chetahim. Okay. So I have much more to say on on the Parsha. I just, I don't know. I, I wanted to talk about Purim a little bit. It was Purim Katan yesterday. It was the first other uh, Rishon, the leap year this year. So we had uh, two Purims, so to speak. So really yesterday, and today, I guess, was supposed to be a Shushan Purim. And Purim. I figured if I have a few minutes, I'll discuss a little bit about Purim. Just very short. You only have 10 minutes. And specifically, if I could talk about Purim Katan, that would be nice, right? Because that's, that's, that's today, right? Yesterday, today. So as follows. The... the the Mish, the, the Shulchan, Aruch, Shulchan Aruch, which is the code of law codified by Yosef Cairo, who lived in the 1500s, I believe. He was, I think, 1500, mid 1500s, yes. And he writes about Purim Katan. So the real Purim this year is second Adar, so it's in a month. And this, the yesterday and today, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, were Purim. Katan and Shushan Purim Katan. So how do we celebrate Shushan Purim and Purim Katan? So there's a machlekas, but the basic idea is that we don't we don't um, we don't say Tachlan. If anyone went to shul, they'll know that we didn't say Tachlan today or yesterday. We don't give Hespedim, so we don't have a funerals. Well, we could have a funeral, but we don't say the Hespedim. Very quick, a very quick uh, um, funeral. We don't give any speeches. And uh, what else do we say different? Um, basically, that's it. So there's a dispute and, and among whatever different uh, commentaries, or I shouldn't say commentaries, it's a diuk. It's a, something that's deduced from the Mishnah and one thing that's deduced from the Gemara. It seems from one place that there is a mitzvah to have a suda, to have a... Uh, uh, to have a, a suda, which is a, like a feast, on Purim Katan, 
And then another source that seems to say that you don't have to have a feast. Okay? So the postkim, the, the, the Shulchan Aruch, they write that you do not have to have a feast. Not a mitzvah. Yet, it says, the Ramah says, I, I think it's the Ramah. The Ramah says, the Ramah, which is Ramah Yisraelish, which lived the, uh, shortly after the, or I think they lapped, overlapped each other. He's for the Ashkenazic Jewry. He's, he wrote, wrote the Shulchan Aruch. And he writes, Marbek Tzas Pesuda, the Purim Kandan. You should be marba. You should add. You should add a little bit of extra, so, so to speak. You should you should add a little bit to your meal and have a slightly uh, larger meal. Then he adds four words that seem very very strange and out of place and random. Vitovlev mishtatamim. Tovlev. Tov means good. Lev means heart. Good heart. A person with a good heart. Mishtatamim. Mishta means feast. It means drinking, actually. Tamed means consistently. Tovle mishadam. A person with a hat with a good heart, always drinking. Okay? Anyone? Um, don't send this to Alcoholics Anonymous. They might kick you out. So the, the, there's many different ideas and different farshim that explain. Some of them are more mystical, which I cannot claim I have any knowledge of what they mean. So I will not share them, but if you go to other places, I'm sure you'll hear cool, mystical ideas of what they're trying to explain. But my rabbi used to say a beautiful idea. He says, if you look, really, if you look, the words, those words come from a Pasuk in Mishle. Mishle is the, the book of parables, I guess, if you wish. I don't know how, where they, how they call them. Proverbs. Proverbs. Okay? And in Mishle, there's a Pasuk, and it goes as follows. Call ye may ani ro'im, all the days of a poor person are bad. The tayvleid mishtatamit. It's one long Pasuk. Right? And a person who's a tayvleid mishtatamit, he has party all, all, of his, uh, all of his life. So Rashi over there, Rashi, who's the commentary, I know it's Rashi, he has commentary also on Mishlei, and he writes as follows. What does it mean to be a tovlein? Tovlein. Tovlein means a person who is happy with what he has. He is sameach bechelka. He's happy with what he has. What is an ani? An ani is a person who's not happy with what he has. Right? And it seems very, very clear there's a famous mission of Perky Aves, Misha in, in Perky Aves, which is the ethics of our fathers or ethics of the ages, whatever they call it in English. And I think the ethics of ages or father, ethics of our fathers. And he, the mission over there says, Misha writes a Misha Misha someone who has a hundred, writes a machine, wants two hundred. Person wants has one hundred, wants two hundred, has a million, wants two million. Right? That's the nature of a person. Whatever he has, he wants more. But Sameach Bechalkai is always happy with what he has. Now we can understand the possible. Right? Ani person who is not happy with what he has, is not satisfied with what he has. His whole life will be bad. Will be ra, will be rotten, will be bad. Why? Because he's never happy with what he has. He's always looking over his shoulder, always looking at what he has, what that guy has, he's always jealous of other people. 
So therefore, his whole life is bad. His whole life is always worrying about him, worrying about him, and why can I have this? How could I get that? He's going to have a bad life. Right? Sometimes when we have mitzvahs, some mitzvahs are difficult. Granted, some mitzvahs actually are not difficult. In fact, they are the opposite. They make our life easier for us. Right? We have a mitzvah to be samech mechavakrit. We happy with what we have. When a person is happy with what he has, his life is not difficult. His life becomes easier. Because he's able to just look and have menuchas and nefesh. He's able to be live with peacefulness and relaxation. He realize whatever I have is okay. Whatever I have is all that I need. And he's not looking for more. A person who is samech mechavakrit. Right? The time life, a person who is tov life, this person his whole life is one big party one big party why is it one big party he's always happy he's happy with what he has he has a place to live he's happy if there's a leak in the ceiling okay at least i have a place to live right he has food to eat he has bread he doesn't have any meat okay yeah, at least i'm not hungry right he breaks his leg very difficult Okay, but at least my heart's working. At least my brain is working. Hashem, thank God, right? And his whole life is one big party. Why? Because he has trained himself to be happy and content with everything he has. So this is the message of Purim Kata. So Rabbi used to say, what's the connection with Purim Kata? To say, the mitzvah, the Ramah tells us, what's the mitzvah of Purim Kata? To have marba besuda katsas. To have added just a little bit, right? Not to have a full feast, a big feast, a little bit, right? So you can ask yourself, what is a little bit of extra food going to do for you, right? So normally you eat, sit down by your table and you have a, you have a slice of bread, you have a salami sandwich, right? I'm making up a story for, for my lunch, okay? Normally I have a salami sandwich for lunch. Today, I'm going to go to the store, I'm going to put in ketchup together with my salami. That's going to be my wonderful addition to my siuda. For perm katan, right? Well, what's that going to help me, right? Why is that going to make me feel happy? So the Ramah is telling us, Tovle, if you are a Tovle, if you're satisfied with what you have, all you need to do is add a little bit more, and that itself is going to make it so exciting for you because a little bit more gets so exciting, right? You're not looking for the millions, and I'm not looking for the $150 aged bottle, old vines bottle of wine, or the $300 bottle of scotch, or the Six-month-old age, the stakes. That's not what you're looking for. You're looking for whatever it is. Just add a little bit. It makes you happy. Okay, that's the message from Prabhupada. I think we're good. Have a good Shabbos, everyone. Thank you so much for coming. And feel free to ask any questions you want. Good Shabbos.